Hello and welcome to the ProRata Podcast, a podcast that takes 10 minutes to get you smarter, faster on the collision of tech, business, and politics. Presented by Bridge Bank. Be bold, venture wisely. Filling in for Dan Primack today, I'm Axios Editor-in-Chief Nicholas Johnston. On today's show, the somber picture of the Eurozone economic situation and Bernie's next move on taxes. But first, impeachment day. Extorting a foreign leader for the purposes of getting that leader to do your political work, uh, to try to find dirt on your opponent, is extortion. It is using the assets of the United States of America and the public trust for your own corrupt, if you will, ends certainly political ends. So of course it's an an impeachable offense. More momentum built among Democrats for impeachment proceedings yesterday than on any other single day of the Trump presidency. Driving the news last night, seven freshman Democrats, all with military and national security backgrounds, published a Washington Post op-ed saying it will be, quote, an impeachable offense, quote, if as alleged about Trump's Ukraine phone call, the president, quote, used his position to pressure a foreign country into investigating a political opponent and sought to use taxpayer dollars as leverage. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, who has tried to tamp down impeachment fever, has been talking privately yesterday with lawmakers and allies about where they are on impeachment in light of the Ukraine revelations and to gauge whether there is a broad shift within the caucus. Today, the -the behind-the-scenes action could burst into view. Pelosi is meeting with her six committee chairs leading different strands of the Trump investigation, and reporters will be swarming the weekly meeting of House Democrats at the Capitol for more members ready to join the impeachment bandwagon. Any shift in particular by more vulnerable moderate members, like ones who joined last night's op-ed, could force Pelosi's hand. As one leadership aide told us last night, quote, the speaker is a numbers girl. And later this week, Joseph McGuire, the acting director of national intelligence, will testify in open session before the House Intelligence Committee, where he'll surely face questions about the reported whistleblower's complaint that started it all. His answers, or even non-answers, could be impeachment bait for Democrats. Bottom line, one summer phone call by President Trump is proving to be more of an impeachment catalyst for House Democrats than two years of drip-drip revelations from Robert Mueller's investigation. In 15 seconds, we'll go deeper on this with Axios White House reporter Elena Treen. But first, this. Bridgebank believes in the risk-takers, the game-changers, and the disruptors, those committed to leveraging innovation to make the world a better place. That's why Bridgebank has been dedicated to providing financial solutions to sponsor-backed emerging technology and growth companies for nearly two decades through its national network of banking teams and offices. Bridgebank is a division of Western Alliance Bank. Bridgebank, be bold, venture wisely. Joining us live from Capitol Hill, wandering the halls of Congress, Axios White House reporter Elena Treen. Hello, Elena, and welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks for doing this. I want to go back to the summer when we were on the Hill for Axios and HBO interviewing members about impeachment, back when there were maybe only a few dozen Democrats supporting it. And it seemed like support had stalled, at least the growth in the number of representatives backing it. And remember what I said, impeachment was inevitable, and everybody thought I was crazy because I only thought that number would go up because there would be new revelations. Well, now we feel like we're on the cusp of moving forward with it. So tell me, what changed to prove me right? A lot of things have changed uh, since since we were on the Hill together. Um, and now the numbers for those who are in support of impeachment are the majority of the caucus. But in recent hours, in the recent revelations with the president and his conversations with the Ukrainian president, the allegations are that he essentially pressured the Ukrainian president to investigate former Vice President Joe Biden and his son for corruption and had allegedly withheld aid in requesting that has really 
change the dynamic here. Leadership, including Speaker Pelosi, who has been holding out and really been the key figure keeping the rest of the caucus joining in supporting impeachment, is now starting to lean towards supporting it herself. Walk us through like the last 24 hours, even the last like four hours since you've been awake this morning and started making phone calls. What is it? What are you hearing? The tide is turning. And this is something that a lot of people have said repeatedly and that they hoped would happen. But this Ukraine news has really made this a turning point. And so uh, behind the scenes, Speaker Pelosi has been reaching out to key lawmakers and leaders on the Hill, trying to gauge where they stand on this. And there will be two key meetings on the Hill today. So the first will be a meeting with all of the committee chairmen on the House Democrat side. And then there'll be a 4 p.m. caucus meeting that Speaker Pelosi will lead. And it very well could be that after these meetings, the speaker and some of the other leadership who have been more hesitant in saying that they support impeachment fully endorse it. Right. Like that's a moment I'm feeling that's sort of the most pregnant with uh, possibility. Right. Like the, the Democrats will come out of this 4 p.m. meeting. You'll be standing in the basement in the hallway with them and they're going to say something which I think could be momentous. Right. Today could be a very big day in history. This could potentially set off, really set that ball rolling toward a potential impeachment proceedings against the president. I think the key here that is still the big questions that I still have that in my conversations, I don't even think that leadership has thought too much ahead on is where do Republicans come in on this? That has really been what has been holding people back is how this plays politically. And if they're going to move forward with this, Republicans and the Senate are not going to support this. What is the point in doing any of this. But I think the key thing here now is public sentiment. The key thing that has really been driving Speaker Pelosi from coming out and supporting it, they think that public sentiment is now on their side, especially because everything that's going on with Ukraine is happening in real time. Americans are seeing and really many of them are shocked by some of these revelations. It's allowing them to make their case much quicker than they did, say, with some of the allegations in the Mueller report. Yeah. Like, the Republican point is interesting. You stole my last question. But, of course, they're not going to get enough Republicans no matter what, I suspect, in the Senate. But are there any Republicans around there who are getting wobbly, who are sort of starting to hint that maybe this is uh, the one step too far and they'd be joining Democrats? We did see Senator Mitt Romney tweet over the weekend that if the allegations about the president and his conversations with Ukraine's government are true, that it would be extremely problematic. So he didn't really go as far as saying he would support any sort of impeachment proceedings, but he did call them very concerning and troubling. There are also a lot of people that I'm looking at, and I'm hoping to maybe grab what on the Hill today, are the Republicans who have been dropping out all over the country in key red districts. They're either retiring or just a sign that they're not going to run again in 2020. And and those are the people that I think could maybe, you know, they could really make a difference ahead of the election because they're still, of course, being Congress before then and, and could potentially have an important voice in this process. Well, Elena, I don't want to keep you from making the rounds on the Hill anymore. Have fun in the Capitol on this historic day. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. My final two after this. With offices and tech hubs throughout the country, including San Francisco, Boston, and Atlanta, and new offices in Seattle, Denver, and Chicago, BridgeBank continues to meet the innovation ecosystem wherever it thrives. And through its teams focused on technology and life sciences companies and the equity investors who fuel them, BridgeBank delivers a responsive, high-touch client experience. BridgeBank is a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank. Be bold. Venture wisely. 
Now it's time for my final two. Senator Bernie Sanders is unveiling a wealth tax that's even more aggressive than Senator Elizabeth Warren's ultra-millionaire tax, sources told my colleague Mike Allen. Sanders keeps trying to remind voters that he's the 2020s field's original when it comes to progressive policy, but he's being eclipsed at every turn by the surging Warren. The proposal being unveiled today by Sanders is a 1% tax on households worth more than $32 million, increasing to an 8% tax for $10 billion fortunes. His campaign says it will raise more than $4 trillion over the next decade. Warren's proposal, by comparison, is just a 2% tax on households worth more than $50 million. Second, the latest data out of Europe is painting an incredibly somber picture of the economic situation in the Eurozone. European Central Bank President Mario Draghi said that data does, quote, not show convincing signs of a rebound in growth in the near future. Why it matters. The Eurozone looks like it's headed for a recession if it isn't in one right now, driven by Brexit and uncertainty around trade wars. And we're done. My thanks to producers Tim Shovers and Jesse Lee, and thanks to Primac for letting me take a spin in the Pro Rata podcast chair. He'll be back here tomorrow.